The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. If you got your Bibles, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> I'm going to get there in just a moment. Uh, just a couple things. Hopefully you received a bulletin when you came in just, uh, just to make sure that things that are near and dear on my heart. One is that uh, Rick Gandy and Bart Martin have started uh, put their hands upon a new uh, life group on Sunday mornings. They meet in the old choir room if you've ever been in there. And praise the Lord for the work that's been done in there. If you haven't been in there recently, or if you were here on our last work day and helped clean it out, you ought to just go by and take a look at it. It's, uh, it's a beautiful, uh, it's amazing what a little paint and a little carpet will do uh, with a lot of work and labor uh, in that. So praise the Lord. But if you're here and you're not involved in a life group and you're not con- you know, you know, engaged in studying God's Word before worship, I just invite you to be a part of that. And I, I say that, that may be too... Uh, week of words, I invite you. I, I will say to you uh, that studying God's Word together with God's people is critical for us growing in Christ. So, I, you know, for all of us, we all need to be a part. And, uh, and so they have taken uh, up the task to begin a new work. So y'all pray for them, pray for that little life group uh, as they go down that road together. The other thing is choir practice starts back today. I know, so, woo, yeah, I know, I know, I heard, I mean, I, and I'm excited, I, I am grateful for people being engaged and employed in serving the Lord, uh, and there's a lot of folks here that God has gifted and blessed uh, musically, vocally, uh, even the sound ministry, how you doing back there, and I uh, and, uh, waved at Hunter, but anyway, um, there, it, it, to me, it provides so many people an opportunity, not to mention the enjoyment of just being led by a choir and worship uh, as they begin to cultivate that. Uh, here's what I would say to you. If you're here today and you're like, man, I think I'd like to be a part of that, then be here at 4.30 today. And, and please hear me. You don't have to be the best singer in the house to be a part of a choir. I mean, you just need a heart for Jesus and love the Lord, and I, I just encourage you to get in there and get after it. And... Uh, and let's celebrate the Lord together. Now, tonight, something real dear to my heart is men's night tonight. Um, you know, I, I just want to take a moment and invite all of my men here to be with us tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, again, um, I, I, you know, my hope is that you would be here. I, I, I'm just going to share simply out of Psalm 139. Just a base, it, Really, there's not a program. It's just a... Uh, my hope is that God gets hold of our hearts, that this year, in 24, God will just strengthen us and grow us up in the Lord. Uh, as, and, and, and ladies, I want that for you as well, but it's just burdening in my heart uh, for our men. And so I just invite you to be here. On the heels of that, I would say um, there is a men's conference, February 16th and 17th, right around the corner. I mean, it's not far. I mean, it's amazing that we've crossed into 2024, but now we're already planning out the whole year uh, right now at the beginning of January. But coming up, uh, there's a men's conference called Man Church. We've been involved in those Bible studies. Some of you went with me last year to the men's conference. It was in Huntsville. Uh, this year it's in Birmingham, uh, right down the road here at Sanford University. Uh, and I will say to you, I only have 25 tickets. So I'm just telling you, men, come tonight. Now, the cost is only $20. That's not the, the full cost. We've been blessed by... Folks that were generous to help subsidize that cost. But if you're a man 
and you want to be a part of that, bring your $20 tonight when you come to men's night. And uh, the first 25, get those tickets. So anyway, just want to encourage you in the Lord. Um, all right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. And I know I am jumping in. To all my scholars in the house, I'm jumping right into the middle of uh, this little letter to the church at Corinth. But I want to I deal with one thing today, and that's the gospel. And, uh, and I'm, hopefully I'll do a good job in presenting that and the importance of that. Uh, the title is The Firm Foundation. In fact, let, let's just look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. Paul, uh, well, let me just read it. In verse 10, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so Paul right here is really reminding the church at Corinth what his responsibility before the Lord was or is as an apostle. He laid the foundation. Now others are building on it, and there's a whole lot going on in, in Corinth, and we don't have time this morning to unpack all of that. But Paul certainly reminds them that whatever you do, whatever you, and he, and he begins to list, if you're building with uh, gold or silver or costly stones or wood, hay, or straw, in other words, if you're using expensive metals or common things, it doesn't matter what you do, there is only one firm foundation for the body of Christ, for the church. And he says it clearly, he says, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, it is the gospel. Now, I will share with you a definition from L.L.'s Dictionary of Theology of the Gospel, and it sounds so academic, but here it is. Listen to this. What is the Gospel? We need to understand what is the Gospel. What do we mean by the Gospel? The Gospel is the joyous proclamation of God's redemptive activity in Christ Jesus on behalf of humanity, enslaved by sin. It is the Gospel. The Greek word, this will fancy it up a little bit, is euangelion. That's a fancy word. Say that with me. Euangelion. Say it. Go ahead. I know. It's a fancy word, isn't it? It's like, woo, euangelion. You can go to lunch today and say, hey, euangelion. They'll think you're, something's going on. They're like, what are you? It means the gospel. It's the noun for the gospel. Paul uses this word over 60 times in his few letters that we have in the New Testament. It is central to the New Testament, the gospel. The biblical gospel, if you'll hold that place there, turn with me to 1 Corinthians, just a few pages over, chapter 15. To understand the gospel, let's understand the biblical gospel. What I mean by that, what is the gospel that the Bible presents itself? What, what do we mean by the gospel? Paul reminds them of what this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. He says, now brothers, I, I want to remind you, of the gospel I preach. So, I mean, he's reminding them. I mean, he's writing this letter in remembrance, and it's good, let me say this, for all of us to be reminded. That's what I'm doing today. To have a firm uh, foundation, we need to be reminded, what is the gospel? And he says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. Verse 2, by this gospel you were saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach, otherwise you have believed in vain. Verse 3, for what I received... I pass on to you of first importance. Here it is. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture. That He was buried and that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. The biblical gospel. What, is it, what do we mean by when we say the gospel? 
We know it's the proclamation of God's redemptive activity in Christ Jesus, but what do we mean by that? It is literally the proclamation of the death, resurrection, and exaltation of Jesus Christ. Clearly, the death, resurrection, and exaltation. It is the belief that Jesus is both Lord, that means God Almighty, and Christ the Messiah. I know we just celebrated Christmas, y'all. I get that. We came out of the hills of Christmas and celebrated the Lord's Supper last Sunday. We, we, we remembered His body that was broken, His blood that was spilled. But He is God, very God, that came and dwelt among us, clothed Himself in humanity. And He is the only way, He is the only one that has the authority and the power to forgive sins. There is no other way. There is no one else. That sounds so narrow-minded, yes. But Jesus himself was narrow-minded when you read the gospel. He said there's no other way. He, in fact, he made this bold statement. John 14, 6 said, I am the way, the life, the truth. There is no other way to the Father except through him only. It's such a bold statement. So when we think about the biblical gospel, it's, it's the proclamation or the preaching of the death, resurrection, exaltation of Jesus it's also the belief wrapped up into that, that this is God, very God. He is Lord, and He is Christ. He's the only one who has the authority and the power to forgive sins. In addition to that, the biblical gospel encloses in, in, in that not just the belief of this, but the command to repent and to receive the forgiveness of sins. In other words, when we preach the gospel, when you hear the gospel, at the very essence of what we mean is that we are in need of a Savior. All I mean, listen, y'all, I know, I'm talking to the choir. I get it, I say that all the time. Well, maybe I'm not talking to the choir. Maybe there's folks in the house of the Lord that don't understand the gospel, but the Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have missed the mark. That's the biblical word there. All of us are in need of a Savior. The gospel, the great news of the gospel is that there is a Savior. However, you have to repent. You have to receive forgiveness of your sins. It doesn't just magically happen like fairy dust that I throw out and get hit people with. That was a little weird, wasn't it, you know? You don't dispense it that way. Here it comes, and, it, and it's very purposeful here. It's very, uh, again, narrow. In other words, the way to forgiveness is through repentance. That means you have to come to an acknowledgement that I have sinned. I have done wrong. I've missed the mark. But it's not just there. But now I've turned away from that to Christ alone. There is no one else. And it is a very clear picture. That word repentance is a beautiful word. I don't know what you think about repentance, but it's a beautiful word in Scripture. But it, but it is absolutely necessary when we present the biblical gospel. In other words, to present the gospel and not provide opportunity or in that people to repent and turn from their sin and to receive forgiveness is not the biblical gospel. You have to turn from your sin. You have to receive the forgiveness of sins. Remember when Peter preached that on the, uh, at Pentecost? Now, Peter was not a polished preacher by no means, and I'm certainly not even so today, but there was great conviction in the hearts of the people. In fact, when he presented both Lord and Christ, the Messiah, I mean, he kind of stops the sermon. And at that point, the people are cut to the heart. And they go, what must we do 
Literally. And he said, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus. I mean, it's just as simple as can be. My hope is that you will hear the gospel, the biblical gospel, the truth of the gospel. We not only proclaim death and resurrection exaltation of Jesus, not only do we say you got to believe in both Lord God Almighty and Christ, He is the only way, but this opportunity to turn to the Lord, to trust Him personally as your Lord and Savior. He alone has the authority and the power to forgive sins. Now, it leads me to this. The necessity of the cross. I'm going to stay in the book of 1 Corinthians. Turn with me here, if you will, back to chapter 1. When we think about the gospel and what that means and the good news and what it represents, you, can't, you cannot hide from the necessity of the cross. Now, I know last Sunday we celebrated what we call the Lord's Supper, an ordinance, where we remember the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior that was shed on that cross. But it, this is more than, I mean, this is critical. In fact, I, I'm going to say it's necessary if we're going to be a church that stands firm on the gospel, you cannot have the gospel without the cross. And so here in 1 Corinthians, look with me in chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. For here's Paul. This is Paul beginning his letter here to the church at Corinth. He's reminding them of the message of the cross. Look at verse 18. He says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it's written, what? I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of the world, through its wisdom, did not know Him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who would believe. Jews demand a miraculous sign. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews, foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greece, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So when we see here in this passage the necessity of the cross, Paul's saying it is essential about the cross. However, to some it's foolishness. Even in the first century, and I would even submit to you in the 21st century, but if we're going to have a firm foundation as a church... We have to be planted on the gospel. And, and gospel without the cross is not a gospel. It really is not. So Paul's saying it's foolishness. And listen, there were, fo there were people in the first century that thought that's foolishness to think that a man dies on a cross and that through his death that somehow sins are atoned for and that somehow that sacrifice is sufficient and that now you can be reconciled to the one true living God through this cross. And Paul's saying, yes. Yes, that is the only way. But to some, they would say, no, there's got to be more. And they would look at that with contempt and think it's foolishness. In fact, say you are a fool and I'm a fool. Paul's saying, listen, it is, a, it is the, the, the central and necessary for the cross. Regardless of what people around us may say, it is critical. If you're going to be a biblical Christian, then you have to acknowledge that Paul said, I don't preach unless I preach about the cross, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He said it's foolishness to those that are around him. But, and, and, let, and let me say to pagans even so today, they'll look at what we, 
I mean, even being here today, this morning, worshiping the Lord, they will say that's foolishness. They, they don't see the value or even the reality. In fact, the Bible says that Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. They don't even see it. They don't see the point in it. And, uh, and all I can say to me and you, keep preaching the gospel. Because I was one of them. I mean, y'all have heard my testimony. I was one of them. I didn't grow up in church like some of you. I didn't, I didn't smell religious at all. There was, it was just smell of death on me. For sure. But what do you do? Church, preach the gospel. Keep on keeping on standing firm on the gospel. The gospel, as Paul reminds us, is the only power of God unto salvation. There's no other way. Even if someone will say, well, that's foolish. Okay. I was that person. I, I, when I heard it, I didn't understand it. I thought, well, that's kind of bizarre. But I'm telling you, you keep preaching the gospel. God has a way of working on foolish people like me. And, 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 and brings them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But, 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 but look here in the passage. It's, ne- it's necessary. So Paul said, I'm going to keep on preaching the message of the cross. It's critical. Even though it's foolishness to some. But look at this. It's a stumbling block to others. And when you look at this, you go, stumbling block to who? The Jews. To the religious people. It was a stumbling block. And for the Jews in particular, because they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, I, you know... I know I may be speaking to the choir this morning, but friend, it's not uncommon for religious people to, to not want to talk about the cross. I can't tell you how many religious people I talk about. I talk, I'll talk to them and they talk about coming to church. And I say, okay, that sounds great, but you know, coming to church don't save you. I mean, coming to church don't make you a Christian. It's like sitting in your garage don't make you a car. You know what I'm saying? I, I know, it'll sink in in a moment. I know. It won't, it, I don't care how well you think about it. I don't care. You can even claim it. I mean, it ain't going to happen unless you come through the cross. Religious people are, 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 have a great knack of putting up barriers around them so that they feel good about themselves and their religiousness. But it was a stumbling block to the Jews because Jesus made it real clear. He said, unless you come to me, I am the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way to be reconciled. There's no assurance of heaven. There's no assurance of being in the kingdom of God. There's no assurance of having forgiveness of sin unless you come to Christ through the cross. There's no other way. And it's still a stumbling block today, friend. It's not fancy. It's not... um, Seen in some religious eyes, uh, good to even preach the gospel. Much less talk about the cross, because listen, it says here, it says the message of the cross is powerful and full of wisdom. Can I just remind you, I'm just going to take a moment here just to remind us that, that standing on the gospel and the preaching, the preaching of the gospel and the message of the cross reminds us, as Paul said in Galatians 2.20, in 21, he says, I have, here it is, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, if you don't preach the cross, you won't even get to this part of Galatians. You're going to have to take that out of your New Testament. But if Paul said, no, 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 I'm going to preach the cross. Why? Because I'm identified with Christ on the cross. I have been crucified with Christ. Here it is, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith. In the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. 
There's an abandonment of, of self. There's an abandonment uh, to turn away from sin and turn to a Savior. When you preach the, the cross, when you remind people of the cross, it drives you to our need for a Savior. And the, re the reality, the only way you're going to be made right with God is through the cross. There's no other way. It's, it's the only gospel. That's the only gospel in the New Testament. But can I just, I just want to remind you what Paul says here. In that reality, there's much power. Oh my goodness. Boy, if I had a choir right now, mm, power. There's power. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Mm, bring it. I, I'm, there, power to live my life today for the glory of God. It's not about you. It's not about what you bring to the table. It's about the reality that you have nothing to bring to the table. That I am dead in my sin. That I have nothing but in Christ at the cross. Whew. Man, the graciousness of God. The blood of Christ is applied to my life. I am forever changed through the cross. The necessity of the cross. If we're going to have a church firmly planted in this day to day. You've got to preach the cross. And I'm not talking about a preacher. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about us as the body of Christ. There's power. There's power in realizing that in Christ alone is forgiveness of sin and the assurance of heaven. I have power to live my life by faith in the Son of God. That's what Paul said. Now, I hope you resonate with that. God, remind us of the power, the wonder-working power of the cross. But he also says the wisdom of God. I'm going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's all in this letter. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, talking about the wisdom of God. Look here with me. Here it is. Verse 18. He says to us, I mean, this is the word of God. I mean, Paul's instructing the Christians in Corinth and us today. He says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Here it is, here it is, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Here, here's the summation. Therefore, honor God with your body. What wisdom is that? What wisdom is that? But it's only when you preach the cross that you realize, I've died, I've been purchased, I was bought with a price, I'm not my own anymore. I, I'm not, well, yes, at one time enslaved to sin, but now I'm enslaved to my Savior. That's the gospel, that's what it means to, to, to be reminded of the cross, is that I, I am not my own, but He purchased me. He bought me at a high price. Not just to do whatever I want, whatever whim I want, act however I want, but no! To honor God with my body. What wisdom, I'm telling you, what wisdom God has given us through the cross. Now, if you don't preach the cross, you'll never get there. In fact, a, a crossless gospel means you can do whatever you want, live however you want, say whatever you want, go wherever you want. doesn't matter. And that's a lie. That's not the truth. The gospel that bears the cross says when you come to Jesus, He is both Lord and Savior. So what about us today? The present work of the church must be built on the gospel. Uh, we see this going back to 
my passage this morning. He, he, in fact, the whole context here in, the, in this, this passage, he's reminding the Christians there in Corinth, you know, whatever you do, you might build with precious metals or with common materials, it doesn't matter. He said, whatever you do, do it all on the gospel. Don't, don't lay another foundation. Don't waste your time trying to figure out another way. No, everything done ought to be done rooted in the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and he, and now, now, I will say to you, he, uh, to the church here and to us today, heed, heed this warning. He says, be careful. Be careful how you build. Don't just do anything. Uh, he says, be careful. In other words, he, he wants us to think intentionally. How, how do we, how, what, what, do you, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Whatever we do. What do we do around here? Good night. We just came out of life groups. We got preschool ministry, baby ministry, children's ministry, student ministry, adult ministries. We got men's night. We got women's ministries. We got conferences. We got mission trips. We got a choir that's coming back this afternoon. Whatever we do, let it be rooted, built upon the gospel. If we move off the gospel, friend, you're on sinking sand. There is no other way. If we want to honor God in our church, everything we do must be built on the gospel. How do we do this? Three things. I'm just going to say this real quick. It's already on your screen. First of all, believe the gospel. I, I know it's, it sounds so simple to say that and maybe mundane in one sense, but friend, I, I don't want you just coming back and forth to church. Please hear me on that. Believe the gospel. That means trust in Him. That means rely. That means you get to the end of yourself and you give yourself to Christ. By faith, you say, I receive you as my Lord and Savior and I submit to you as my God, my Lord, my King. Believe the gospel. Live the gospel. Paul encourages the Romans. He says, in view of God's mercy, he said, what? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Live the gospel. One of the most encouraging things that we can do is not just to believe it, but live it. Now, that's a process. Don't get me wrong. Someone's got to take us by the hand and walk with us. Part of you know, my intention tonight and my intention for men's and women's ministry, even in the choir and all that we do with our life group is God help us to take each other by the hand, by the grace of God and grow us up in the Lord. Root us, Father. There's a great burden in my heart today that we as a body of Christ, and I'm just now I'm talking about Flint Hill, but I'm talking about the body of Christ. My brothers and sisters all throughout the world, we need to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The Bible's clear. In these days in which we live, you know what we need? We need to be strong and secure in the Lord. There's no one else. There's nothing else that would give us our strength, our peace, the ability to stand firm except the gospel, what God has done for us in Jesus. The last thing is this. Preach the gospel. Uh, I've said this several times. I don't know if you consider yourself a preacher I don't know if you consider yourself a preacher, but the truth is every one of y'all preach. Sometimes you use words. That'll sink in a little bit later, too. Everybody that knows Christ is a preacher of the gospel. Now, I know you might not be called vocationally to be a pastor or an itinerant evangelist or something like that, but don't, don't kid yourself. What God has done in you, God wants to be made known through you for His glory. What a beautiful testimony 
when we have the joy to be able to walk out these doors and to live, believe, and preach and present the gospel to the world around us. So here's where we are. Gavin, if you'll come at this time. So I've shared with you a lot, and you can tell I'm a little passionate about the gospel. Um, I will say to us, and I'll remind us, uh, we live in a world, and, and, and listen, I'm not here to, we live in a world just like, much like the first century. Now, some people, some people think it's foolishness, the gospel, the message of the cross. Some people think it's a stumbling block. It gets in the way and we just ought to eradicate it from our terminology altogether and just put it aside. And I would say to us, if we're going to be a biblical Christian in a biblical church, we must, we must, we must believe, live, and preach the gospel. Father, I just want to ask you right now, God, right now, right here, Lord, I just pray for us as a body of Christ. God, this is your word for, our, for us, for all of us. God, we acknowledge. Lord, you called us by name. You knocked on the door of our hearts some time ago, and Father, you, you entered in. God, I just ask right now, right here in this room, among your people, God, that you would remind us of all that you've done for us in the cross and the life, death, and resurrection of your Son. And that maybe right here, right now, God, that you would move on our hearts. That we would be intentional this year, this year, Father, to believe and live and preach the gospel. God, I recognize there may be somebody here today that has never confessed you personally as their Lord and Savior. God, in just a moment, as we sing a song of response, God, would you move on their hearts to come and confess, make public, to declare publicly that they want to give their life to you and trust you as their Lord and Savior. God, have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning, church? We're going to sing a song of what we call a response or even an invitation. Friend, it's a time for you to worship your Lord and Savior. If you're a child of God here today, then sing it unto the Lord. Let God just renew and refresh your heart before Him. But friend, if you're here today and you know God is calling you to unite with this fellowship, then be obedient to the Lord. And you come. Come. We're going to sing this together. You be obedient to the Lord.